Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people who are not discussing Game of Thrones in this episode. <laughs> no, it is a rare moment of relief for you guys after months of nonstop wall to wall Game of Thrones coverage. <laughs> <laughs> you needed a palate cleanser. Yes. And we're here to bring you something of a palate cleanser. Oh boy, is it ever. <laughs> We accidentally started this episode, like, six episodes ago. Yes. <laughs> and now we're just coming full circle. We got there. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So we are bringing what I think is more or less an extension of rom-com education. Yeah. So we watched Music and Lyrics. Yes. The Hugh Grant film from 2007. Mm-hmm. And... We watched, what's, I don't know what it's called. I think it's called Something Great, but could also be Someone Great See, or Something this been, Good. This is why I keep referring to it as the Gina movie in Slack, because I wasn't sure. Yeah. yeah. Something or one. someone. It's a, it's a Netflix What Have You Done rom-com edition. Yes. Rom-com edition edition. The fuck, yeah. Netflix? Why would you do this? I mean, um, we'll get there. We'll get there. We always do. Okay. Which one do you want to start with? I think we should... S- it's someone, for what it's worth. Someone. Great. Someone. But it's go- great and not good, right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Someone. Great. Someone. Great. Great. Great, 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 great. great. Uh, uh, okay. Do you want to start with the good stuff? Sure. Let's start with the good stuff. Music and lyrics is the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, is it ever. It it is. It's like a, you know, when you have a giant ice cream (laughs) right after dinner and you're already filled up on all the other rom-coms, but then you get this one. It's like a little too sweet, but it tastes really good. (laughs) 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 That's what this movie is. This movie's really funny because I had literally never heard of it, and then it, like, blew up on Twitter, like, a month or two ago out of the clear blue sky. It's because it was playing on TV a bunch of times. Ah, gotcha. (laughs) It was, like, immediately after you randomly referenced Pop There Goes My Heart. Uh Uh-huh. Or Pop Goes My Heart, whatever. Yeah. Um, And then it just, like, popped up everywhere. Yeah, it does that when it comes back in rotation. It's Because it's a good one. Like, I could see how it's, like, a forgotten treasure, but it's a good one. It's... I have thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not willing to commit to it being a good one. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. I know. Well, should we recap it first real quick? Sure. Yeah. You're our resident expert here, so... Okay, I can do it. Take it away. So, Music and Lyrics is about a washed-up pop star from the 80s, who is Hugh Grant, the heart and soul of my life in this movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He 
is he was like kind of one one hit wonder with his boy band and then he went solo and that failed and so he lives off of his like royalties basically and then his appearances at really sad like conventions and um amusement parks for example so he's like living in the past and then he gets a substitute plant waterer which we'll get there because <laughs> i have questions yeah i have a lot of uh <laughs> the plot building in this film is just buck wild it is and she kind of just keeps lurking around his apartment to water his plants and through a series of circumstances, he basically gets the opportunity to write a song for a current pop star who's like a Shakira of t- 2007, I guess. It's like the same. I was so proud of myself. Um, side note, because mm-hmm. she like showed up and I got a hardcore Shakira vibe and I was like, dang, this reminds me of what it was like to live in 2007 when Shakira mattered. And then at the end of the movie, she finally references Shakira and I was like, oh shit, that's actually what they were going for. Oh yeah. Uh, so she's got a vibe. Uh, <laughs> but a real vibe. <laughs> so basically there's a tight deadline to write a hit song for her and if they write the best one, then... She'll record it and they get fame again in theory. So by accident, they the plant waterer and Hugh Grant start writing the song together. And then there's some other turmoil about the plant waterer's, like, issues. <laughs> uh, self-esteem issues, perhaps. And... Uh, what am I missing? Basically, they write the song, they get the song deal, and then there's a whole crisis because uh, Hugh Grant doesn't really give a fuck and he just wants the money, and the plant waterer is like, but it's not staying true to the tone of the song. Yeah, Shakira wants to, like, add a whole sexy verse at the beginning. Yeah. And, and she wants it to be, like, uh... What's the word I'm thinking of? She's, like, appropriating a certain culture. It's, like, faux Indian it's like, yeah. culture. Yeah. And uh, Drew Barrymore is really upset about it, and so she, like, accosts her at a party. But, of course, Shakira is, like, the kind of celebrity that you can't say no to. So yeah. then it causes drama between her and Hugh Grant. Right. Yeah. And then he has a grand romantic gesture... And then, well, at- there's a whole separate drama at the concert about, like, whether or not Drew Barrymore gets writing credit when he comes out on stage. But that's because he plays his solo song. Yeah, I which I had thoughts about that whole, that, yeah, that was whole as well. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Uh, yes, very much. <laughs> yeah, so then his grand romantic gesture is that he gets her to keep the song the way it was meant to be played uh for the album and then he wins her back and everyone is happy the end yep i have just realized that i had rewritten the grand romantic gesture and i was going to bring the package to the show and now i can't remember what it was oh no this is why i need to write things down i'm so disappointed oh it might come back to me when we get into it yeah so let's start with Hugh Grant as a specimen. Oh, that's really great. Can I read you my sentence? Yeah. 
Okay, this is from a movie review on The Atlantic that um, was written in May 2007 when this movie mm-hmm. came out. And the opening line is, Hugh Grant once described his acting range with typical deprecatory tar- charm as sinisterly narrow. <laughs> <laughs> It does then go on to praise him. Yes. But I just really like that. Yeah. Sinisterly narrow. Sinisterly narrow. I love that. Uh His performances as a rule are extended exercises in contrition. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, no. It's so true. There's a lot of things I like about this description of Hugh Grant. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, I mean, my first thing is I need to start campaigning immediately to get him in Mamma Mia 3. Yes. He is, like, the obvious missing link for Mamma Mia 3. A hundred percent. My God, right how age. funny would it have been to ha- have him, like, nipping at Meryl Streep's ankles? I would have loved that. I would live for that. I mean, he's absolutely no match for Meryl Streep, but it would have been really fucking funny. It would have been. Ugh. I don't. I wouldn't want to replace anyone in Mamma Mia with him. No, no. But I want him as like a new person to throw in there. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, like I have some issues that I don't want to gloss over. But with the chemistry in this movie, oh hell yeah! But I really think Hugh Grant was the right person for this. Yep. Agreed. Because he's just, like, he's the right age to pull this off. Yep. (laughs) He is, like, not super talented, which also fits. Yep. Like, vocally. And he has, he can, he's got the moves. He does have the moves. (laughs) He's, like, just goofy enough to be believable as, like, an old washed-up dude who's still willing to do hip thrusts in the middle of a podunk amusement park. Right, but also not be that old right? that he wouldn't be out looking for love. Because you know men past, like, 50 aren't doing that, apparently. Right, right. In the rom-com sphere. <laughs> but, like, I I love it so deeply. I love his conference center shows. Uh-huh. I said that they are both Mamma Mia and also Schitt's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um... Yeah, it was really good. Obviously, the music video is the best part, I think. But his little, like, dance move that he does, like, his signature move. Yes. <laughs> I want to somehow break out when we watch Eurovision this year. That's all He I'm has, say. like, a throwaway line at some point where he talks about, like, needing hip surgery from, like, yep. repetitive strain uh-huh. <laughs> doing their signature move. <laughs> I love it so much. It's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess, like, going to, like, a lack of chemistry, I was trying to think about, like, who would have been better than Drew Barrymore, because I think she's where, like, I get stuck because I have an inherent, like, dislike of her for no real reason. Same. Although I really didn't like anything about her character. Like, her character... I didn't either. I couldn't tell if they, like reverse engineered her character because of Drew Barrymore somehow or like 
what happened there, but she just did not fit. And there was also no universe in which I believe Hugh Grant's character would have fallen in love with someone as out of control as her. I agree. And I think, like, I know what they were going for, but I think they did it wrong. Yeah. And I, I don't think, like, she, neither of the vocal talents are good. No. And I, I'm okay with that. Because she, at least she really wasn't supposed to be. Right. But I think they were trying to do, like, some take on a Manic Pixie Dream Girl that isn't quite that. Yeah. But it was close. Right. But, like, a little more messy. It was like a um, Amazon Marketplace third-party vendor. Yeah. Version. So, so my initial thought was, like, Zoe Deschanel would have been a good fit Mm. because she sings, but then that would have been too on the nose. So I think what I actually want instead of Drew Barrymore is a, like, Tina Fey Liz Lemon. Hmm. Not quite that, but, like, something a little closer to that side of Zany and not this side of Zany. Right, right. That's interesting. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, I definitely, like, I mostly would have loved to see a different age differential there. In what way? I just think, like, Drew Barrymore was too young for Hugh Grant. Well, that's why I think Tina Fey would have been better. Right, 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 right. And I don't know. I feel like it's, like, I can't really think of another actress who would have been good to fill fill that because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was starting to get towards the end of Hugh Grant's, like, moment in the sun. This was, like, the end of rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. Which it definitely feels like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like any actress you bring in, like, you said Zoe Deschanel, and my, I had this, like, picture in my mind of the two of them, and it's hard to describe, like, what in my brain didn't look right about the two of them together. It but doesn't it look right. To is, it doesn't look right, because they're, like, different like, generations of relevancy. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, like, I'm having a hard time thinking of who would have been good opposite him that could have, like, held up to his gooberness, but also would have been the same type of relevant. Yeah. Like, I can think of a lot of contemporaries to him, but not necessarily ones that would do it right. It's interesting, because I also don't see a place for him in any of the, like, revivals of rom-coms. What do you mean? Like, I just, I feel like we have moved on from the type of character that Hugh Grant plays. Yeah, he's gotta be, like, a a bumbling older dad of the adult protagonist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a lead anymore. No. Just because I don't think that character is funny or cute or whatever the way it once was. If, like, Nancy Myers is still on her shit, (laughs) like, she's really got that demo on lock, and I think she could still do good stuff with it. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I don't know. The chemistry in this movie bothers me a lot, and it's, like, not a rom-com that I'm eager to go back to usually. Like, I'll watch it here and there, but it's not, like, the one I pick up off the shelf and I'm like, I want to watch music and lyrics. Yeah. See, I thought it was really fun to watch, but I still don't love rom-coms as a genre, so it didn't need to do the genre stuff for me. Like, I think 
really I was just, it could have just been like a bioepic about Hugh Grant's character, and I think I would have been happy. Yeah. Well, like, what I do think is better about this rom-com than a lot of rom-coms of this time, and I don't know if maybe why it's, maybe it's why you liked it a little bit more is because the story isn't so much about, like, them liking each other as them getting over their own, like, versions of themselves that are in their head. Yeah, I remember talking about that at the end of that saga. Yeah, like, it's a lot more of, about, like, self, (laughs) self, I don't know, validation. I just also, oh, I think maybe I remember. Um, I just don't know that I believe that, like, that number one, she was the person that could help him realize his better self. Yeah. And I don't actually believe that he really fundamentally changed as a person over the arc of this movie. Oh, no. Like, I think you're supposed to believe he did, but I nah. don't at all. And I don't see any compelling evidence for that. No. And I don't believe that she got over her weird drama and I hated her whole be- whole plot completely. Well, I think it's absurd that the first, like, 15 minutes that she's in the story is just, like, she's a hypochondriac, she has anxiety, here's, like, four other weird things about her, and then we never talk about it again. Right, but let's talk about how she weirdly was in a relationship with a professor who was married, and then he wrote a book about her, and then she's been, her name has been, like, tainted, even though no one else knows it's her. There it is, I remember now. Thank you. (laughs) And then, like... They have an awkward encounter. It's just, like, all bad. It's all so bad. Right. And, like, so you have a, some personal shit. <laughs> right. Well, Being an adult. And I feel like all it did was taint her relationship with him, which I think it's supposed to, kind of, because yeah. then they have that horrible argument where he accuses her of doing the same thing over again. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, then they never address the fact that he said that out loud at all. But also, like, she still ends up with him, so then there's still this, like, weird thing where you are supposed to, I'm going to say some problematic stuff, but keep in mind that this is framed the way it was at the time, which is also (laughs) problematic. But that, like, she had some kind of underlying emotional issue that made her seek older men, and she didn't deal with that in two days, and so she still comes around and, like, ends up with this older man. Right. But because it's love this time, it fixes the underlying issue. (laughs) Sure. That's how that works. Yeah, totally. Well, it's also like they do some Game of Thrones style. I'm sorry, I said we weren't going to talk about it. Uh, They they say things and make it seem like it's fact because they say it instead of showing it. So the whole thing is like, you're not talented and you're never going to be a writer. And it's like, okay, but I don't, haven't really seen that she's talented or is a good writer because she made, like, four sentences rhyme. Yeah. yeah. That's literally all she does is she accomplishes a few rhyming things. And they're like, wow, amazing lyricist. Yeah. So I think that's a good um, time to talk about. <laughs> Let's segue into the songs. Yeah. So how did you feel about the music in this movie? I think it was great. 
it did all of the stuff that fake movie music is supposed to be. Because, like, you know how so often we and other people talk about how um, fictional art within art, you're never, so like, you never know if it's supposed to actually yeah. be good or not? Yeah. This is very clear. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be good. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be, like, serviceable. Mm-hmm. And thus it is. So how does this music compare to that thing you do? Um, I would say that it accomplished roughly the same thing. Because, because in- we know it's the same person, you know that. I didn't know that. Oh, I thought you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's the same, like, person who did all the music. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> oh god. I really thought you knew that. I didn't think I was dropping a bomb on you. No, but that's really fun. Um, is it was it done by Playtone? Is that the, the movie production company. No, I don't yeah. think so. Oh, no, it was just the same composer. Guy. Just the same guy. Um, no, I mean I think it did the same thing. That thing you do only has like two, yeah, three it has less songs in it from the band. Um. And so there's, like, way less of the music, and it's slightly easier for them to get away with what they're trying to get away with. Yeah. But the bottom line is still the same, where in both cases they were just looking for, like, a catchy pop song that's overall fairly meaningless. Yeah. Which is, I guess in both cases, like, I don't, not a theme necessarily, but, like, a thing that gets referenced a lot. So, like, in that thing you do... It's this major tension with the lead singer because he's an asshole who fancies himself this, like, artist and whatever. And so the song that takes off is, like, the most shallow of all the songs he's written. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, the catchiest, so that's the one that sells. Um, The difference in this movie is that Hugh Grant is all too aware that it doesn't matter what you write. Yeah. It just has to have a hook. Yeah. And so all the songs are meant to be, like pretty meaningless and stupid mm-hmm. and i think they achieved that and it's more fun that way it is fun i will say like this guy has a marketable skill for sure <laughs> like i actually sometimes like purposefully avoid this movie because i can't hear even a second of that goddamn song <laughs> without hearing it in my head for a month <laughs> And it like today we we watched this like two weeks ago. Yeah, it was a while today. Ago. It it was still in my head, and I like wish it was "Pop Goes My Heart" because that's a better song. Yeah, for sure. But it's always that other fucking song about way back in the love, and the lyrics aren't good, and the song isn't good. But it is a goddamn earworm, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, it gets in there. It really does. That is so funny. But, I mean, the uh, the Korra music and stuff is, like, fit for what it is, but it doesn't have that same catchiness to it. It's really those two songs that One get, of yeah. the other guys that did music on this movie also did the music for the first Pokemon movie. <laughs> I didn't know there was more than one. Oh my god, there's, like, 40. There's oh. so many now. They all came out in recent years. There was a big gap. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah wild (laughs) that's a resume for you yeah i've had i've had both songs stuck in my head and it's like sneakier than most songs that get stuck in my head where it's like Mm -hmm. um 
you know, 10 minutes later, I'll sort of realize there's just this quiet sound in the back of my brain. <laughs> yeah, like I'm convinced this song was built out of an al- algorithm. Yes. I had that thought too. <laughs> like it has to be. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what else? I really liked her sister better than her. Yeah, who who was the actress who played her? I never looked this up, but she looked I so don't familiar. know. She looked familiar, but I didn't know why. Um, but she, her whole deal is that she was an older sister. So I still don't buy that Drew Barrymore wouldn't know who Hugh Grant is. Right. But her older sister was a fan of his when he was like a pop star. And so she like loses her shit every time that she has to interact <laughs> with him. And I think it's really funny. It is really funny. And they do it in a way that's like pure enough that she's like married and has kids and like it's not like a... It's just, they don't make it weird, they just make it like she's an ex- overexcited fan. The only thing that was unfortunate um, is that she was like the owner of a yeah like weight loss company. Yeah. And as was the way in this time, she got a lot of like uncomfortable fat jokes in there. Yeah. yeah. Which no one needed. No one needed. No. I didn't like his manager as much. No. And like, he, he seemed was, unnecessary. He was fine. And I didn't mind, like, the friend on his side being his manager. And I liked that it was, like, he was the only client that he had. And they just, like, <laughs> made their <laughs> living on his sad shows. Yeah, that I thought was, like, narratively really good. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it's literally his only client. Mm-hmm. They're both so, like resigned to this life that they live together. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's real good. Are we ready to... Oh, he's also... The guy who did the music is also on... Um, also did work on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, he has a resume. He also did all of the <laughs> songs for the Stephen Colbert Christmas special. No shit. Which we watch every single Thanksgiving. That's wild. I think. Um, so can we, um, talk about the grand romantic gesture? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I hate, so he kind of had two gestures and I hated both of them. Yeah. Um, so, so they've already more or less broken up because they had this like whole big fight and her sister already has tickets to go to his concert with Shakira. Yeah. And... So the sister forces Drew Barrymore to go, even though yeah. she really doesn't want to see him again. And they get there, and they're, like, about to do what she thinks is going to be the song. And then they, like, announce that it's a new song by Hugh Grant. Yeah. Which, like, how often in concerts do they actually announce the writing credit? As right. well as the name of the song. So Drew Barrymore, like, freaks out because she doesn't have a writing credit on the song anymore. And yeah. she starts to run out of what's supposed to be Madison Square Garden, but is clearly, like, a black box theater. Yeah. Um, the exterior is. The in- interior is not. It, it's, like, five rows of floor seats with, like, two raised rows in the background. It's They'd like a high to- school auditorium. Yeah. <laughs> They just tried to keep everything black, so you couldn't really tell, like, Game of Thrones style. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so she's... 
do a comprehensive article of every rom-com moment that was done Game of Thrones. <laughs> that would actually be a really good blog series. It would. I should put it in the spreadsheet. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> Be like Game of Thieves, but like the rom com version. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody uh, was gonna wanna listen to that. The long night of rom com. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, it's happening. Oh, it's very good. Um, so she's running away and he gets on stage and he starts singing a song that's not the one they wrote together. Yeah. And it's basically his, like, redemption speech, but he's playing the piano also. Yeah. Um. So then she, like, turns around and runs backstage, and then he gets off stage, and they make out. And then Shakira comes back on stage, and he has to go back on stage, and they do their song together. And then they reveal that he managed to talk her out of doing the scary intro. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, his second grand romantic gesture. Yeah. And so he does his part of the song, Shakira finishes it up alone, and he hops off stage, and they make out some more. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. Right. So I reimagined this, mostly because the entire time I was watching this movie, I thought they were foreshadowing something that never, ever (laughs) came up ever again. Is that also Game of Thrones style? Oh my god, it is. Is either my brain is severely damaged or there's actually something here. Yeah, yeah. So Kelsey mentioned that there's this whole subplot where she like was dating a professor while she was in college, and he told her she would never be a writer. So then they broke up, and then he used everything about their relationship to write a book. Yeah, that became a bestseller, and now he's like this multimillionaire with a book tour and whatever. So they meet him in a cafe. He and Hugh Grant have a confrontation. It comes out that the book has a movie being made. She spirals. It's like this whole thing. Um, So, and then it comes up like once or twice after that. Oh, and then there's a point when they're in Times Square, or not Times Square, Madison Square Garden, where something about the film for this movie, or for this book, comes up again. I thought what it was going to be was that Hugh Grant was going to use all of his connections to kill the movie deal. Oh. Come on, guys. That would have been good. That would have been really good. Because it... he says the thing when they have the fight about how she only dates men to be opportunistic. And yeah. the only way he could really redeem that would be to erase the memory of this horrible thing this guy did to her. Yeah. But then what about their songwriting career? Well, and then they would have gone on and done the song and it all would have been fine. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, they still, like, she would so, have So, like, the first that- redemption would have been <laughs> the movie instead of the song. Yeah, exactly. So either right before the performance or immediately after, probably right before, mm-hmm. she would have somehow found out, like, it would have been on the news or some shit, um, that the movie was killed. And then she'd go into the arena and they'd do the performance, and then she'd, like, sheepishly go up to him afterward, and it would come up naturally that the fo- the movie had been killed, and he'd be like, oh, I made some calls, or whatever. Mm. And then they'd make out. 
Yeah. I can yeah. see that. The one thing I'm glad that they didn't do in that grand... Remus- grand... <laughs> Whoa. I've done this, like, recently. I was just gonna say, this is the second episode where you flubbed that one. It's a hard freeze. <laughs> You're supposed to be an expert. This doesn't mean I can talk well. <laughs> I always get worried when I see this because I always forget how it ends. Because I think that the grand romantic gesture is going to be that he has her come up on stage to sing her part and like no one wants that. Oh yeah, I definitely was worried about that possibility as well. Yeah. The good news is they made Shakira out to be such a brat that there was no chance. She was like a believable psychopath though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, Kirstie enjoyed a rom-com. I enjoyed a rom-com. And I I mean, I think it's interesting that it's not a rom-com that, like, you love or that other, like, rom-com watchers love, but that I enjoyed it. Like, I think that's the hate watch quality in it. Yeah. Like, like it showing was... itself. It was fine. Yeah. But really, if I can have that one song and that one music video, that's all I need. For sure. It's such a good music video. It really is. Um, the one thing that I can't quite figure out mm-hmm. is that it bears a lot of similarities to the music video for All Day Long I Dream About Sex by J.C. Chazay. <laughs> You've said this before. Formerly of NSYNC. <laughs> yep. And I can't figure out why. I mean, I'm assuming that there's some very specific thing in 80s music history that they yeah. both decided to draw on in that moment. I would assume so. Uh, let me double check the year on that album. Oh boy. I'm also, uh, schizophrenic. Casual. I've also never heard that song. I don't know. Oh, that came out in uh, 2004. I, that came out in 2004, so it predates this movie by a bit. Yeah. But it's a terrible album. Don't listen to it. <laughs> I wasn't going to. (laughs) There's all day long I dream about sex. Then there's a song about having sex in every different part of the house where he itemizes all the places in a house you can have sex. That'd be fun. And then there's a song about having sex with aliens. That's great. (laughs) His career really took off. It was a buck wild time. Is he the Hugh Grant of NSYNC? No. No? No. Um, who would be the Hugh Grant of NSYNC? Probably Chris Kirkpatrick. Mm, okay. Maybe Joey Fatone, but I think Chris had slightly more cool factor. That's fair. Also, he went on to do the voice of Chip Skylark in The Fairly Odd Parents, and that's more analogous somehow. Oh, God. <laughs> I hated that fucking show. <laughs> I loved that show so much. I hated it so much. It's a good hate watch. Oh boy, it's a something. You want to talk about a bop? It's talking about my shiny teeth and me by Chip Skylark. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Wow. 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 Okay. We could go down a rabbit hole. Um, yeah. Was there anything else about music and lyrics that you felt? No, except my like gratuitous recommendation. For the movie that this should be, which is Once. <laughs> I still haven't seen that movie. How have we done this podcast this long and you haven't made me watch it? I feel like you've seen it. I have not. I feel like I've maybe put it on when you were in the room and then you got distracted and didn't watch it. I definitely have never seen it. 
okay. at least all the way through. I'm looking up information about it now, and not a single image from it looks at all familiar. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, it's certainly not a rom-com, but if you want the musical journey that this movie is trying to portray <laughs> <laughs> between some lost souls, that's probably a better bet. Oh my god, I found a Hallmark movie called Love Once and Always that came up under the image search for once. No! <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but now I feel like we should watch it on principle. Okay. Can we watch it before or after we watch Pride and Prejudice Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite shit. <laughs> because apparently everyone thinks Pride and Prejudice is material they need to interpret. Yes. And also apparently it's a Real Housewives franchise now. Yeah, I didn't realize that you needed like an uh, interpretation of it in each geographical location. <laughs> oh yeah, apparently you do. I just like that Atlanta is the modifier. Me too. It's really wild. It's so good. I don't know what's happening in content creation anymore. It's so wild. Here I was just trying to watch that one scene in Pretty Woman that's really good. <laughs> oh my god. And I ended up learning so much and I can't set my DVR for Harry and Meghan whatever the fuck that movie is right now because it wants me to subscribe to the Lifetime movie Network, which is an additional five ninety nine a month. Look who's petty this week. Yeah. It's so, lifetime. <laughs> maybe when we get closer to Memorial Day, I'll be able to schedule that DVR. <laughs> That's so um, funny. Anyway, stay tuned for that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I have 100,000% ever seen this movie. I'm reading the Wikipedia description. Okay. Well, I go. mean, you should watch it sometime, maybe. We'll get there. I don't think it would necessarily be your shit, so I haven't really pushed it on you. Mm. But you did make me watch Love Actually, so I'm just saying. Because it's a wonderful hate watch. <laughs> Once is like a serious movie that is good and okay. not something that is fun to hate watch. Okay, fair enough. You know what I mean? Yes. I like to be a good gatekeeper. You are. I'll give you that. <sighs> Um, you want to know who is a really shitty gatekeeper? Who's that? That's Netflix. Yeah? Hey, Netflix. What have you done? Netflix has done some some things. And also, our heroes have failed us, maybe. Uh, Our heroes really failed us. I don't want to say failed. Our heroes made different choices than we wanted her to make. Yeah, yep, yep. But she's allowed to live her life. Yeah. Fine. That's fair. Fine. So, uh, do you want to expand on that, or is that all we're going to give people? That's it. That's the whole show. Thanks for listening. Uh, so we watched Someone Great, I Forgot Again. Yep. Um, which is a Netflix movie starring Gina Rodriguez. Yes. And two other women whose names I am trying to find. Brittany Snow and someone I had never seen in a movie before. Um, DeWanda Wise. Yep. There it is. Um, and they are three friends. Um, and not Jane. Dear God. (laughs) Gina Rodriguez's character, Jenny, I found it, um, had been dating this dude for like 
five or ten years or a long time. And they just broke up. Um, and the whole movie is, like, the day after they've broken up. Okay. Yes. Correct. And uh, you get a bunch of, like, flashbacks over the course of their whole relationship that goes back and forth between when they were, like, really in love and when they started fighting at the end of their relationship. Yep. And in the meantime, when you're in, like, real time, um, she and her friends are getting ready to go to this, like, music festival that they've all gone to forever. Mm-hmm. And it's their last hurrah because she's about to move far away because she just got a job with Rolling Stone. And then the other two friends also have life events occurring. Yeah. I did not finish the movie. (laughs) I did, but it was very long and not much happened besides what you said. So long. I tried five different times to finish it. I had to keep stopping and then I'd come back to it and then I'd have to stop again and I just never stopped. Yeah. So it's like, it's not really a rom-com so much as it's like a buddy comedy. Yep. Which is fine. It kind of felt like Bridesmaids. Yeah. But I think, like, because it was stuck in, like, this 24-hour period, it got really repetitive. Yes. And really long, really quickly. So I I didn't see the end of it. I'm assuming she doesn't meet anyone over the course of the movie. Right. It would be buck wild if she did, since it would be, like... 12 hours after she got out of her long-term relationship. Yeah. And there's also, like, a few false alarms where they say that she's gonna, like, reconcile with that guy, but she doesn't end up doing it. I Yeah, I was getting that vibe from some of the flashbacks, but I also thought that would be wild. Like, I didn't yeah. know if the grand romantic gesture was gonna be him, like, swooping out of nowhere at the music festival and trying to win her back, or if it was going to be, like, subverting the genre. And being like, she don't need no man. Yeah, it was a friendship gesture and not a romantic gesture. Ah, gotcha. And it was basically that she, like, somehow gets separated from them and ends up at the fountain. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they know where to go find her because they knew that she would be there. Oh, that's boring. And then they all leave together, and I think that's it. Meh. Yeah, it's, like, very meh. Meh. It's not worth it for the amount of time we spend watching flashbacks of their relationship. No. So it's like this whole thing where the real-time plot is that they're getting ready to go to this thing. So first they have to get tickets, which requires that they, like, it's basically like video game missions. Like, they have to complete a bunch of missions, there are side missions, and then they have to, like, beat a boss, and then they get the item. It also reminds me of The Hangover. Yeah. If you want to talk about something that takes, like, 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. And it's a little insufferable. Um, they get the tickets, and then they have to get Molly, yeah. and then they have to, then they, like, get ready, and then they have to get snacks, and then yeah. they have to, like, go, and then interspersed <laughs> are all of the flashbacks. And it just, it's, like, a th- two-hour movie. And Is it that like, it's, like, so mundane that it's, <laughs> like... Okay, you're at the bodega getting your snacks now. Right. Right. Cool. It's just, yeah. Oh, they have to go get the molly and they have to get weed, so they go to two different drug dealers. You're right. Yeah. Which is like, I feel like you only get to have one. Yeah. 
I I kind of felt like the characters themselves were interesting enough. Yeah. Like, I would have been open to seeing this maybe as, like, a series instead of a movie. Yeah, I would have given you, like, a three to six episode miniseries. Yeah, and I don't want it to be the same day, but, like, no. I'm interested in these characters enough, and they were somewhat rounded enough for, like, what you can get out of a movie that I was like, okay, I could be on board with this. Yeah. Well, because they are playing with some interesting, like, days of our youth versus having to grow up and be responsible shit. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, kind of cute. I can I can deal with a certain amount of that. Yeah. And, like, I take it they were supposed to be around our age, but... Yes. Yeah, they specifically Lord, say that Gina Rodriguez is 29. Okay. As someone who is 29... Yeah. I, like, gave myself a hangover just watching this movie. Oh, yeah. I absolutely felt, like, bloated and fuzzy by the first, like, 20 minutes. Like, no no one should be... <laughs> no one should be acting that way. No! And functioning. No! They put so many things in their body. Y'all, the other day, I... <laughs> had a lot of coffee over the course of the day and not much water. And then I had, like, a generous glass of wine. And I was literally hungover the entire mm-hmm. next day. Mm-hmm. From coffee and one glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Like, I I can't keep up with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like Brittany Stone- Snow's character who was, like, saying she wasn't going to partake. Yeah. Like, that felt a little bit more realistic to me. Yeah. At, at least, you know, pretending like it's not a normal activity. Right. Well, and I, I kind of liked the whole, like, thing that they had about, like, getting bad Blair. Yeah. To yeah. To come out where, like, you get the character development of her having been, like, a party girl and then growing out of it and trying yeah. to, like, build this whole new image for herself. Right. But, you know, sometimes you, like, let your hair down. Yeah. I also do need to give them some credit because (laughs) there was some shady lines about (laughs) her career choice. Mm Mm-hmm. And it seems like her career choice is not that different than my own. (laughs) And someone, I forget it was her or someone else, I think it was her, and she was like, I need to be there for the launch of the hashtag meeting because it it could go poorly. And I was like, oh god, this is the first time the media has actually gotten this job right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Because they're literally that stupid. (laughs) And, And people, people want to talk about hashtags. Still. Still, I feel like we're beyond hashtags, but that a felt bit. that felt accurate to the corporate culture. Yes, that was very good, which I was I was pleased with. Um, what else? Gina Rodriguez had my dining room chairs, so now I'm keeping them and not replacing them. <laughs> <laughs> no way! Yeah, I didn't even notice. Oh shit we we wanted to talk about set dressing. Oh, That was the thing we specifically talked about in Slack. I segued to this on purpose, totally. Oh, okay. Oh. No, I didn't. Great. (laughs) Um, I was going to let you have it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so, like, part of the thing about this whole movie is that it's supposed to be, like, peak millennial. Yep. And, boy, do they lean in. <laughs> boy. Um, so, we go to each of the characters' houses at yep. various points. And literally each of the three of them have a different neon sign on well, their Well, two of them are roommates. Oh, I didn't realize they lived in the same house. Yeah. Uh. Well, then why are there so many different neon signs? I don't know. Because there's, like, at least two. There are. And, like, weirdly not enough things on the walls <laughs> besides neon signs. And yeah. then, like, the furniture is a weird mishmash of, like, things you could afford and things you couldn't afford. Yep. And everything's, like, kind of oddly brightly colored. Yeah, like, they tr- It actually, like, their apartment almost sold me as one that was, like, really trying too hard to achieve a Pinterest aesthetic and, like, not succeeding. Yes, correct. And I couldn't tell how much of that was on purpose. I know. <laughs> just, like, really aggressive set dressing. Right. Um, and they do, like, a lot of really try-hard stuff, like the- Um, Brittany Snow's character has a mug that says feminist in hot pink letters. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I feel like, is the kind of thing that most women our age would only own ironically at this point. I thought it was ironic, but you never know. That's what's hard about this stuff. I know. Especially when you are talking about millennials, since that's kind of like a thing we do. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, Gina Rodriguez's apartment was, like, supposed to be trashed in a cute way. Yeah. And mainly I just didn't buy that she was about to leave and go to California because her apartment was completely decorated. Yep. Although she had, like, a week left, didn't she? Oh, I don't know. It wasn't like she was going the next day, but she was going, like, very soon. Well, I'm just saying, you start packing for your move more than a week out normally. Yeah, generally. (laughs) Like, you would take some stuff off the walls, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read all of it yet because I just found it, but there's an article that I'll at least send to Kelsey. I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day on our Twitter (laughs) or anything, but it's about how, like, the reason that this is a good movie is because it's, like, a fair and accurate portrayal of millennials. Interesting. And I feel like if that's, if this is, like, attempting to play in rom-coms and that's the takeaway, then I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not upset to see friendship stories. No. I'm not upset to see, like, the types of people who were portrayed here. Like, they were mostly fine. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, a flattering representation of millennials, (laughs) necessarily. No, but I mean, I I guess it's trying to play in sort of the same sandbox as, like, girls and mm-hmm. Broad mm-hmm. City and stuff. They're not necessarily supposed to be, like, it's not supposed to be flattering, necessarily. Is it that New York is just, like, a different brand of millennial than everywhere else? Maybe. I don't know. Or just, like, the media likes sort of assholey entitled millennials who make bad life choices and still try to look functional. Yeah. I didn't really get the sense that, like, she was particularly good at her job, Gina Rodriguez. 
mm-hmm. as a character. Like, I didn't... Not that they necessarily had to validate that, but, like, it was just like, oh, you got a job at this place you always wanted to work. Yeah, well, I mean, I would say that's what's interesting about all three of them, is all three of them, their work comes up. Yeah. And all three of them, it's sort of like they're performing adequately in right. their job. Right. <laughs> Which, like, fair, I guess you could say we're performing <laughs> adequately in yeah, our job. Yeah, I mean, I think that's partially a stage of life thing. Yeah. Like, in your late 20s, you're not at the beginning of your career, but you're certainly not at the pinnacle of it either. So you just kind of do what you do. Right. I don't know. It was fine. I'm not going to watch it again. It certainly wasn't romantical enough for me to go back to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I'm never going to finish it. I feel like that's a good choice. It's not for me. It's fine. It's not, like, outright offensive. I feel like there is someone for who this is, like, a easy-watching movie. Yeah. I just had a lot of Shit's Creek I needed to watch, and so... You know? You sure did. Priorities. I did have some, like, weird questions about why Gina Rodriguez's fiancé, husband, whatever he is, just, like, happened to be in this movie. Yeah. I didn't even know he was an actor. I thought he was, like, a MMA fighter or some shit. Uh, unclear. I think that it's, like, in her rider that he has to be included now. <laughs> He's her official hop-on. Probably. She does Which, seem like, like the type who would like a good hop-on. Yeah. You know what? It's fine. I didn't even know she was dating someone until she announced on Instagram that they were engaged. You didn't? How did you not? I... God. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> on that romantic note. Very romantic. Any last thoughts? Nah. All right. Well, we'll be back at some time with more content. Hopefully next <laughs> week, but maybe two weeks. Yeah, we're getting into, like, Eurovision territory, so. Yeah. Maybe on a delay, but it'll be for live Eurovision content, so who knows. Either way, there's good stuff coming. Yeah. And if you're thirsty for content and you are watching Game of Thrones, head to Our Watch Has Ended, wherever you are listening to this podcast, to find our hot, spicy takes about really mediocre content over yeah. there. <laughs> A lot of righteous anger. Yeah. Um, and if you want some shows that are not about their own righteous anger... You can listen to the shows on the Thought Bubble Audio <laughs> Network, which is yes. a network of which we are members. Um, they have shows like Loud Women and Beer with Geeks and Academy Rewind. And then they have a bunch of shows about books and other things that are also cool. Mm -hmm. um, they are generally much nicer to their content than we are. Yes. If you want to talk to us, you can find us at Hate Watch With Us on Twitter or HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. You can check out hatewatchwithus.com to find our Game of Thrones fantasy draft and, I don't know, some other shit. Rom-com Dication, all of those notes are in there. Mm -hmm. Did music and lyrics make it onto your rom-com Dication list curriculum? It's, def it's definitely in there. It was, like, towards the end, end of the Badlands, mm. and it was, like, pretty much in bromance territory, so it was, like, a weird time. Gotcha. But it was on there. Nice. So yeah, check check rom-com education for the syllabus. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, I just learned tonight that other people play other versions of a Game of Thrones fantasy league. Oh, yeah, they do. I thought that we were really original and came up with the first version of it. No. I've seen people with, like, their draft nights and stuff. Um, this person who I learned about today plays in a league where they get additional points for, like, whether or not the person dies in a really epic way. Oh. And other things like that. Yeah, I'm sure there's, like, a lot of things you could add on to it if we had thought through it more than we did. <laughs> we tried. We did. Um, Yeah. 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 That's our show. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. I think. I don't know. Okay. Stop asking me questions. <laughs>